Have you ever had something happen to you that got you so over the top, uh, like good news for you or good experience for you? Something happened to you that was so out of control that you couldn't help but bring it up in almost any conversation you had with people afterwards. Especially small talk, when you're having small talk with someone and both of you in the awkward moment of small talk, let's just all admit that small talk is awkward, you're, you're both just grasping for the le- lowest hanging fruit of conversation with each other. And it's like, hey, how are you? How's it going? What do you do? What do you do? And there's a lull eventually. And then whatever each of you grasp at, that's the thing, like the amazing thing that happened to you or the thing that you just can't help but bring up in conversation with people. Uh, I remember just, of, just uh, I don't know, a month ago or a couple months ago, I think, we, I think it was at the prayer and worship night for leaders that we had in here. And uh, uh, afterward, I, I, just, uh, I came in on the second half of a conversation uh, that Mariah uh, uh, was, Mariah Olive was having with, um, I think it was Nishu. What's up? <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So, so uh, Mariah Olive was having with, I think, Nishu or JP. Did I do it wrong again? Joe's? I just jacked this whole story up. I just jacked the whole story up, Mariah. So I came in the second half of it, and she's just getting her phone out of her pocket to show JP her uh, wedding dress. And she's really excited about her wedding dress. And uh, Joe's, I'm sorry everybody, you get the story. You know the story now, it's Joe's. You know the story. So I get in the conversation and I'm talking to her and Thomas and I'm like, hey, how's it going? What's going on with your life? And, and we're just talking about like, how's it going? What are you doing? How's the sports complex? And as we're talking about that, she's getting her phone out. And eventually, it's like she wants to tell me about this wedding dress. She, you know, she, like, she's like ready to bring it in, the conversation. And then they're like, and I ask about the wedding, and she's like, I found my wedding dress. I found my wedding dress. Look at this thing. It's on Etsy. I found it. It's amazing. It's a great prize, whatever. And, and I, guys, I haven't been excited about a wedding dress for seven years, but I was stoked about her wedding dress. I don't, I mean, I, I can't remember. And I haven't been excited about any wedding dress previously, but I, her excitement about this wedding dress, I was so excited. Ten minutes later, I'm talking to somebody else over here, and she's got her phone out over here talking to somebody else about this wedding dress she found on Etsy. This, like, amazing thing. I've been looking at it forever. And, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, maybe, like, a couple weeks later, I, I mean, I just have my thing is, like, deals. Deals on Groupon or deals on... If there's a PDQ BOGO going on, you're going to know about it from me. I'm going to tell you about it. You're going to hear about it from me. Uh, my thing is like deals. If I, have a, um, if I find out about a Redbox code for a free movie, I'll tell you about it. Like really early in the conversation, I'll tell you about it. I'm like crazy excited about deals and financial efficiency. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Actually, several of you, I've told several of you about these shoes. These shoes are falling apart. Don't buy them. I thought they were financially efficient. They're not. So if I told you about these shoes, they were $15 on eBay. They were $15 on purpose. Don't buy these shoes. Those of you who I've told you about these shoes. I know there's a lot of you in here. I was very excited about them. Um, Anthony's about this way with technology. I think half the, the technology I have on my phone or on my computer is because Anthony told me about it. Uh, uh, like, uh, he just like knows it, gets it. He gets like gizmos and gadgets, and I get excited. I, he comes and tells me, hey, have you heard about this? Have you seen this? And I'm like, dude, tell me everything. Tell me everything about it. I'm very excited about this. There's people that way about music. 
there's maybe there's people on my staff way who seem that way about music, but it might just be because they feel responsibility for my development within music. So they might not be that way transcendently, just with me. It's a, oh, up in the air. There's people that way with restaurants or just experiences, just experiences. We did this thing the other day. You have to go do it. You have to go do it. And they'll just talk to anybody about it, anybody who will be open or listen at all. They'll tell them. They'll tell them about it. It's like contagious somehow. I just think Paul is that way about Jesus. I think Paul is that way about the, who Jesus is, his experience of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the cosmic story of Jesus. I just think he can't help himself. And this week, that's what, that, it's almost like there, there's so much going on in each individual line, but the scope of it, I think that's what struck and inspired me this week. That he could have, he could have started this letter anyway. He, he, and, and before he can talk about unity in the church or reconciliation or marriage or family dynamics or gifts of the spirit or spiritual warfare, he just can't help himself but talk about Jesus. Just spilling out of him. He can't help himself but talk about Jesus. I mean, he's 30 years into this thing of intensive ministry. He's late in his 50s. And Jesus is still 30 years into ministry. You think about it. I mean, some of you, it's like three years, four years, five years, ten years. He's 30 years into doing this. And still, Jesus is the best news he's ever heard, the best deal he's ever found, the most meaningful experience he's ever had, the truest thing he's ever known. And the picture that he paints here shouts that, screams that, that the life of faith begins, follows, continues, and ends with Jesus begins and ends with Him, is sourced by Him, is about Him, is for Him. And as far as Paul is concerned, any picture of God without Jesus in the center is a distortion or a fabrication. And just in this text alone, we learn that the Father has blessed us in King Jesus, chose us in Him, foreordained us through Him, poured grace on us in Him, gave us redemption through him, set out his plan in him, intending to sum up everything on heaven and on earth in him. We have obtained our inheritance in him. We have set our hope on him. We have been sealed in him by him. Him, 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 him. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. And we say that. We know that. We believe that. We sing that. But why have I experienced so much pressure in Christian communities over the last decade to graduate from Jesus? Have you? I've always felt tension, lots of tension from different sources, different communities, different leaders to mature, to grow up from the milk of the gospel to the solid food of more mature realities. Have you felt it? Have you heard it? Have you sensed it? I felt the pressure to mature beyond the simple gospel to the solid food of the doctrines of sovereignty. I felt pressure to mature beyond the simple gospel to the solid food of the manifestations of the Spirit and the life in the Spirit. I felt pressure to mature beyond the simple gospel to the higher goods of religious pluralism. I felt the pressure to mature beyond the simple gospel to the higher goods of political influence. I've I've, I've felt the pressure to mature beyond the simple gospel to the higher goods of family security and wealth acquisition and responsibility. I felt the pressure to mature beyond the simple gospel to the higher goods of missiology and practices of church planting. 
a pressure to somehow graduate from the, the base core gospel, the, the solid understanding of Jesus and who He is to grow up and somehow move beyond that to more mature things, more mature realities. But somehow Paul just, he, he's still stuck on Jesus. He's still stuck on the gospel. He hasn't moved on. He hasn't matured. He still finds it so rich, so deep, so moving, so worthy of worship, so worthy of our whole lives. I read this book a, a, a few years ago by Carl Medeiros. It's just this little green book that has a squirrel on the front, it, which looks really strange, and it's called Speaking of Jesus. And he, he, um, he's a missionary who spent most of his life in Muslim communities uh, overseas, uh, spent a significant portion of, of his life in Beirut, uh, and just try, trying to plant churches and witness to people about the kingdom of God uh, uh, and the person of Jesus. And uh, he, his, his big thing that he writes about in all of his books is how he actually had to abandon the language of Christianity. That he actually can't, when he's on, on missions and in communities, he actually can't refer to himself as Christian. And now eventually he's decided to refuse to refer to himself as Christian. And, and he's kind of abandoned kind of like Christianese language. And he just talks about Jesus. That's all he does. He just talks about, and people will be like, aren't you that Christian guy? And he'll be like, who's that Christian guy? Who what Christian guy? Uh, you're that Christian guy. It's like, I don't know any Christian guy. What are you, what are you talking about? Be like, no, you're the one that like talks about Jesus all the time. Oh, talks about Jesus? Yeah, that's me. That's me. That's totally me. I don't know what you're talking about before, but yes, the guy that talks about Jesus is me. Uh, yes, I, that's me. That's who I am. And he just like diverts and deflects and all this kind of stuff. And so he, that's what he kind of like writes this whole book about. And in one of his um, memoirs, he writes about uh, meeting a guy in Beirut um, named Ali. And Ali had been having dreams lately. And this, is, this has been a phenomenon that's been happening for quite a while uh, uh, in the Middle East, that people have having, having dreams almost because uh, 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 missionaries either aren't getting there or, or, or there's a lot of barriers and Jesus is just revealing himself to people in dreams. He has this dream and, he, and he, he's got a relationship with Carl and Carl eventually hears from this guy about he's, how he's had this repetitive dream where there's a, there's a, a house that has like bars on the windows and there's a, there's a, a bearded Palestinian man inside and on the outside, there's just words painted all over the house that say Christianity, Christianity, Christianity. And he's like, I don't understand this dream. And Carl just tells him, listen, I, I, I think what's happening here is that you have like perceptions, and some of those perceptions might be totally true, of, of Christianity. But the, but the Jesus, the God who that represents, is actually trying to get out to meet you, to see you, to know you. And yet, there's like, a, there's like a barrier of perception here. And I was just wrestling this week with thinking about how a lot of like communities or leaders who graduate from Jesus onto some other thing, some other mature reality, uh, uh, and start to believe the basic premises of the gospel, the basic idea of who Jesus is as somehow uh, adolescent or, or weak or small or something, those things that we graduate to become walls, they become barriers between yourself and the people you're trying to reach and Jesus. And he has to circumvent those barriers of the things that you've tried to graduate to. Now, the, 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 one of the, the verses that was just like hitting me in the head this week was that verse from Revelations 2 that a lot of us might know uh, uh, extremely well, uh, where Jesus is revealing to this, the, the, this church in Revelation, 
He's saying, you do this good, you do this good, you do this good, I affirm this, I love this about you, yet, 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 you have lost your first love. You have lost your first love. Meaning you're doing, you're doing all these kind of excellent works, but they don't matter, actually, because you've, you've emotionally distanced yourself from me. And that actually has had, had implications for the work that you do. You know who that church was? That was the church in Ephesus. That was the church in Ephesus that he wrote that to. Here he is trying to lead them into their first love, usher them into their first love, and at the end he's praying for them to continue to go dive in, to open up the, 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 the sight of their heart, the eyes of their heart, to know him better, to stay that course, stay that course. Don't ever graduate from your first love. See, according to this, this apostle in his late 50s in chains who'd been doing intensive ministry for 30 years, we never move on from Jesus. He isn't just milk for the young, he's steak and potatoes for the old. He isn't just milk for the young and infants, he's pureed strawberries for a one-year-old. He's a peanut butter and jelly for a middle school student. What's up, Midway? Peanut butter, jelly. He's chicken tenders for college students. He's a trip to Burns Steakhouse for the seasoned veteran. When you walk into Burns, he's the appetizer. He's the side salad. He's that filet mignon. And he's that, he's that molten lava cake that comes when you don't even need it. You don't even want it. You don't even want it. So you're going to box that up. He just keeps getting better. He just keeps coming. There's always more. You never reach the end of it ever, ever. And when the check comes and your credit card gets declined, you realize he done paid. He paid for that. Yes. And you walk outside and you realize your car got towed, but he bought you a cab. He's going to get you home. He's going to take you home. You see, this life of faith begins, follows, continues, and ends with Jesus. You don't graduate from Jesus. He's not just the 101. He's the 102. He's the 201, the 302, the 403, the 504. He's the master you cannot master. He's the dissertation you will forever defend. Pastor Leonce Crump once said, when, when we are lost in the, in the forest, in the weeds, when we're lost, he is our true north. We fight tooth and nail to find him, and then we reorient all of our lives around who he is. He is our true north. What Paul shares in the first half of this letter becomes and continues to be the foundation of our existence, the rock bottom of our existence, that the Father has blessed us in King Jesus, chose us in Him, foreordained us through Him, poured grace on us in Him, gave us redemption in Him, set His plan on Him, is unifying heaven and on earth in Him. We have obtained our inheritance in Him. We have set our hope in Him, and we have been sealed by Him. He says a similar thing in Colossians 1. He says, For in Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, things that are visible and in invisible, rulers, powers, and authorities. All things are held by, created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things are held together. Amen. I think that's why all of, of all the things that Paul could pray for them at the end, 
of all the things that he could say, you're, you're experiencing persecution, you're experiencing uh, internal struggle with false teachers, you're experiencing external persecution for all sorts of reasons. So, so there's a million things he could pray for, but what does he pray for? He says, I, I'm going to pray that you would have the wisdom and revelation to know him better, to know him better, to never stop, because there's always more to know that their eyes would be enlightened, that they would know the hope to which they've been called, the gift of the inheritance of His holy people, and to know the power of the resurrection. Those three themes really carry the rest of the letter. That's what we're going to be wrestling with the rest of the next two months, wrestling through this letter. I'm going to invite up the worship team to close. This life of faith begins follows and ends with Jesus. It's for, emerges from, sourced by, exists to glorify Jesus. Stirred by the vision of that final verse that was brought up earlier, that the church is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. Is this the church that you know? Filling every space in every way with Jesus. Filling up every space in every way. I love that phrase. Is that the church you experience? Is that the church you lead? Filling a space in a way with Jesus. A couple months ago, I went out to visit, um, I went out to spend a day with Adrian Sarmiento. Uh, uh, who leads a microchurch out in Waimama. And um, uh, I'd gotten together with Adrian a few times before, but I'd never, I'd never been with him in Waimama, in, in like his, his place that he feels called to, in like his turf, you know, that he, he like does ministry. And I just went out to like spend uh, uh, half a day with him and, and, and enjoy him, talk. And we, he, we started out... Um, in his neighborhood. I parked like next to his neighborhood and I just hop in a vehicle with him. And we start out and he's just driving around. We're just driving around his neighborhood just for a second to get out to where we were going. And at, like almost at every house, he can just say like, who lives there? Maybe like a little story of ministry. Every corner, we kind of turn a corner and he'll just say a little thing. It's like, like, this happened here a couple years ago. These people, I had this conversation with them right here. We go, we go to the school that he works at, which is kind of like this center of where he does a lot of ministry. And um, uh, uh, we, we go, and it's a Saturday, so nobody's at that school. And we, we sit inside of, the, uh, of his office. We walk in the school, and we sit in his office. And he's just, every hall we walk down, he's saying, this is this teacher, and this is the conversation we had a couple weeks ago. This is the place where they're at in their life and where they're at with Jesus. And we sit in his office, and he's just telling me all these stories about students that come in and out of here, and uh, the ministry that he's doing with, with students, the ministry that he's doing with parents, and the, the interact, all this kind of stuff that, 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 that has happened in this office, this office that we're sitting in. And I'm just asking questions like, tell, tell me more, tell me more. We leave that school, and we go, and we start to drive around Waimama, and, and especially driving by the, the neighborhood that he grew up in. And, and again, it's like every single turn, he's got, he's got this... He's just got stories to tell, people to talk about, people that he's walked with, people that he's uh, done ministry with. He's in every single corner. I mean, I was like exhausted almost by the end of it. Like, 
there's just so much, uh, every, every turn, every corner. And I started to realize that, 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 that this is really, he's like a great example of this vision of the church being played out. To fill every space, everything, and every way with Jesus. You know how to do that? You actually can't. It's not something to do. It is a way to be. That if I am, I am actually filled up with Jesus, every space in me is filled with him in every way, then every space that I fill will be filled with him. And I just can't help. It just spills out of me everywhere I go. You know, you know Adrian's like microchurch is like actually kind of hard to explain because it's just what he, who he is. It's just kind of ministry that's just spilling out all over the place in the neighborhood, in the school, it's with teachers because he's in his neighborhood and he's with students and he's with teachers. And somehow like a, a little microchurch is kind of like spun out of this as he has been connected to Jesus in every space, in every way. And I just think it's a, a, a terrific vision we're being given by Paul for the church and for missionaries. If you try to go do a microchurch, you'll almost certainly fail. If you just try to be connected to Jesus in every way, in every space that you're in, and try to do that as authentically you can. And he's just spilling out of you, spilling out of you at work, spilling out of you with your neighbors, in every space that you go, in every space that you go, in every way that you can. Some weird microchurch will happen. Some strange thing. And eventually, not right away, it might need a name. Don't start with a name. Don't do that. Find a people in your life to embed with and don't, don't see min, like mission and ministry as something you do, it's something you be among other people. And Jesus starts to spill out of you, spill out of you with them. To fill everything in every way with the fullness of Christ Jesus. And guys, the underground can't do that. That's the point. The underground can't actually do everything in every way. The activation of the priesthood of all believers, the people of God, in order to reach every people in every space, that means we have to activate every person in every space. It's the beautiful design of the church to be immediately, the moment you step into the kingdom, to immediately be, be given the goods of the kingdom, to be an ambassador of the kingdom, to be a priest in this priesthood to fill everything in every way with the fullness of Christ Jesus. Is that what you're trying to accomplish? Is that who you're trying to be? Is that the vision of the church that you long for? Because it's what I hunger for. I don't hunger for like a thousand websites that don't actually represent anything. I hunger for a thousand people that are just so in love, like in love with Jesus that it's just spilling out everywhere they go. It's the community I want to be a part of. It's the person I want to be with you. And he's made that possible by the lavishing of his grace on us to reconcile us to himself. There is no other way but the lavishing of his grace to his glorious praise as he has redeemed us from our death and enmity to him. He has saved us where there was no other salvation, provided a way for us where there was none. 
So as we come to the table this morning, would you come in worship, in response to this doxology? Would you come in worship remembering that He is the beginning and the end and the source and the purpose of your whole life? You don't graduate from Him. He is it. And He is more than enough. More than enough. His grace is sufficient for you. On the night He was betrayed, He took the bread and He broke it, saying, this is my body, broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, He took the cup. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. And when you drink it, you drink it in remembrance of me. And so this morning, come to commit yourself to Jesus for a life, a whole life, not an introductory season, but your whole life. And come and worship in response to a vision like this, a picture like this, a history, a story like this, a king like this. When you're ready, the elements given for you.